0: Families with Dash offers a balanced parenting approach from generations of tried and true methods combined with research and insights from today. I'm Amelia
1: Murdoch, founder of Dash Into Learning, the popular education company and homeschool mom
0: of four. And I'm Joan Landis, licensed clinical mental health counselor, mom of seven adult children, and grandmother of 16 and counting. And I happen to be Amelia's mom. So what are we going to talk about? We want you to get the benefit of our decades of clinical experience and real life in the family trenches.
1: We offer unique and actionable insights about
0: family life, marriage, and homeschooling. Join us on Families with Dash and become confident and happy parents. Hello, everyone. Hi. Really glad to be back with you again today.
1: Families with Dash. We're going to talk about something that we actually have a lot of experience with a lot of experience. practical real life experience with <laughs> and i actually get so many questions about this on instagram um and so many people saying i just love when you give any tips on this because there's like nothing out there right so the topic is music
0: with your children yeah how to practice how to do music how to create great musicians yes <laughs> yes concert pianists yes
1: the tiger moms <laughs> over here
0: <laughs>
1: no but really there is so many ideas and tips and important things that no one talks about and right. it can make
0: music an amazing part of your life and your kid's life yeah it's an amazing part of your family culture yeah and actually can help so well, let's talk about the benefits of mm. engaging in music yeah with, why why do we even do music right right and it's different than just listening listening is lovely yeah and and I do that always with my homeschool kids is during homeschool in the background. You have the we classical, have music. classical music or at least beautiful music scores, orchestral music, where they can really um, start developing an ear for that. Um, and
1: that and, you know, Charlotte Mason does a lot of you know composer studies, what they call it. And so you choose a new composer every month or every term. And you listen to that composer, you just become familiar with that composer Mm -hmm. and with that, like you said, get that ear. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty standard in homeschool Mm -hmm. to kind of
0: understand that. But Mm -hmm. I like the classical music in the background. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I've always thought that if we can have the classical music, for for one thing, classical music is the long term cultural, iconic art form um, of Western civilization. um, And it's very interactive. Art is more, less interactive unless you're making it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think it's a tradition that we ought not to lose, especially since it activates important parts of the brain for learning. Now, the Mozart effect is mostly a myth, mm-hmm. so don't don't get too uh, excited mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about that. But it does actually help children to have their brains engaged and, in a background in a way that isn't just white noise. Sometimes I'm a little concerned when lots of families have their babies sleeping to white noise 24-7 and I'm... I'm like, hey, okay, it's not terrible, but why not have them sleep to Beethoven, Mm -hmm. right? Because all of that culture just seeps into their little souls. And if you can help them develop an ear and a love and a heart for this kind of music, then when the other rap music or the other more, um, you know. The pop stuff is not as, that
1: that actually can be quite damaging.
0: It can be quite damaging, the messages. If it's the bad. Right, right. Yeah, and so it helps them feel like th- they can see the distinction, the difference. If they've grown up in a musical vacuum, or uh, worse, they've grown up with all the junk music—I call it junk music—around them twenty-four-seven. Then, when you expose them to classical music, they don't get it. Mm. it they don't have a heart for it. They don't. Yeah, it's but, not well, part this of their soul. This is so boring. Yeah, this is hard to hear and. Yeah. So we as uh, parents really have an opportunity, a window of opportunity for the first 10 years of your child's life to help them develop that affinity for the classical music, which actually is much more of an intellectual exercise. And also when they actually appreciate it, it's such an emotional connection with music. And and then the cool thing is that if you do um, expose them to the music, that the repertoire that they will be learning... Then they learn it easier. They learn it so much easier. And then they have these amazing aha experiences. Mm -hmm. So if you never play the music for them, that is going to be part of their repertoire, either, you know, violin or piano or whatever it is you're learning. If they never hear that, the only time they hear that is when they're, you know, plunking through it or scratching through it when, when they're just trying to have no connection. Right. They're like, okay, so I've learned lightly row, you know, in Suzuki. Okay. If they've heard it, uh, you know, a hundred times and then they start learning that music. Oh, I've learned Lightly Row." Yeah, they're like, oh, I know this. This is my favorite part. I love this song. That's like gold. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. internal motivation.
1: With the Mozart effect not being real, I will say when I'm doing art, when I'm drawing or when I'm painting for hours on end, there's a huge difference in how my brain will make art and make the literal marks with the pencil, what direction my pencil goes based uh, on what music I'm listening to. That is super so it's super interesting. interesting. So I had to be really careful what music I would listen to based on kind of how I wanted my art to flow. Mm-hmm. So I really think that it does as have far as, something to do well, with right. That side of your brain.
0: Yes. And just those kind of vibrations in your soul. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. yeah.
1: So Another thing that I always say about music is, you know, if you are spending a lot of time teaching your child a skill, whether it's dance or sports or anything, you know, activity wise that you're driving to, you're spending money on, you're doing. I mean, for me, I'm always like, can it be a skill they can use until they're 80 years old? Right. Their whole life. Like, like, I mean, I know there's so many benefits to all these other activities. I'm not saying there's no benefits. Mm -hmm. And some kids totally need those. But you know, how many people are doing cheerleading when they're 75, right? (laughs) It's kind of like, so So I like the idea of spending all these hours developing something that can enrich their entire life, not just, oh, I learned great teamwork when I did soccer. Mm -hmm. That's good, Mm -hmm. but um, I like this idea. Mm
0: -hmm. Another benefit of uh, teaching music to children is that it really does become a discipline. I mean, you have to start out and make it really fun at first. You absolutely have to. Yeah. but that discipline that they get makes a difference in their whole entire life. Now there is a strong links between learning music and academic success and career success. Mm. Those are not like the Mozart effect that are a little bit fleeting, but the benefits of the ability academically for kids that have music uh, training are well, well documented, Mm. well documented.
1: Yeah. So being able to focus. Yeah. And learn things, yeah. And it's almost like a learning a language. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a whole nother part of your brain it that is. you're developing,
0: right? Right. And so that your brain is round and 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 balanced, and not you know, you know not just uh, logical and and math and things like that. I n- I know when I was in college, so I was a I was a art major in college, and I just always attributed my musical training to the fact that I could sit there and. Just paint and paint and paint and paint and paint for hours on end with no breaks. I just could get in the zone because of the training I'd had with music. And so just that discipline is incredible, the the benefits to their whole life.
1: Yeah. And I was the nice thing about classical music is if you teach classical music, you know, it is, you know, the most difficult kind of music to learn Mm -hmm. and play Mm The nice thing is if your kid decides, hey, I really like folk music or bluegrass Mm -hmm. or whatever, they can always go to that and start doing that because it's so much easier and they've learned these really important skills and foundation. And so, you know, you can look at it as, hey, this can take them a lot of different ways in music. Mm -hmm. This is an amazing foundation. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's that too.
0: Yeah, exactly. and effects of classical music as your foundation, I always say are somewhat to akin to learning ballet first before you get into hip hop. Because with that, and another one is um, to, I'm going to really get myself in trouble here. I think uh, riding horses in the English, um, English equitation and dressage, I think that actually is the foundation for all good riding. Even if you end up being a barrel racer, you will be a better barrel racer because you have that proper independent seat same with dance that you'll be a better dancer if you studied some ballet and then with music the same if you will study and start with a classical and then whatever you branch out in you will be better equipped right right
1: and as far as benefits I thought I mean for my kids because I'm doing music with my kids it's just it's it's like my mom was saying with discipline they are able to learn how to work mm-hmm. from have this opportunity to really focus and learn how to work from the age of six, you know, five. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot different than regular school for mm-hmm. some reason, but it's really developed that a lot better.
0: Well, and we know that attention is a muscle that can be developed. Yeah. And so in mental health, a lot of times if people are having trouble with their attention, that the therapist will recommend meditation and breathing exercises. And the reason is because it's something somewhat boring. And the, the exercises to keep redirecting our thoughts back, redirecting our thoughts back to the breathing, to redirect our thoughts back to the breathing and, and redirect our attention back and back and back to something that's somewhat boring. Well, that's wonderful and it does good things. Music does it in spades. Because it's somewhat boring when you're actually trying to apply your attention muscle to the music, and yet you keep bringing your music back, you keep bringing your attention back over and over to the music, and it's a it's a form of meditation, but it's a form of strengthening a, per, a child's attention muscle. So it's it's really a it, if they never played this is what I told all my kids if you never touch the piano after six or the violin after age sixteen. I really don't care that much, but Mm -hmm. the benefits of your attention and discipline will carry on your whole entire life. Mm.
1: Okay. So, so music with older versus younger kids.
0: Right. Well, yeah. And, and so, so one of the ways that you want to um, kind of prime the pump here, Mm -hmm. okay, this is before you ever get the music teacher, things that you can do in your family culture to prime the pump, to have your children want to do music. And that is to have music around them, Mm -hmm. to have them have it going in the background when there are pleasurable things happening. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're cuddling and you're going to be reading history, boy, make sure you turn on that music.
1: We always have classical music while we're doing our tea party. Yep. I want to do a tea party. Mom. Great. Let's turn on the classical music.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so um, during family dinners, you can have beautiful music in the background. You know, while you're traveling to some place, you can have musical uh, classical music in the background. I personally, if I had like three different lives to live, one of them would be to go to school boards and mandate that on the school buses, classical music is playing Mm. in the background because Mm -hmm. that would give all of those students, you know, a a subconscious education in classical music. And it's shown that, you know, uh, it's a great way to settle kids down. Yeah, has um, a
1: much more calming effect yes, than the yes. standard yeah. radio music. Yeah. In
0: fact, have you seen those experiments where they have like troublemakers or, or homeless people in public spaces and when they're trying to get them to vacate, they just turn on the classical music and they, <sighs> they leave. They can't stand it. They're like, <laughs> what is this? I can't be here. Oh, that's funny. So just singing lullabies to your little mm. ones. Mm. Um, that's kind of a lost art. Singing yeah. lullabies and so important for your child's ear to, to really start hearing those things. Some people um have their, in, while their babies are not even born yet, they'll, they'll have music around that mommy's belly. Yeah. and or, or if you're a musician and you're playing piano and your baby's in your belly, you bet you're, you're, your baby's hearing that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a great.
1: I had a therapist, a speech therapist, tell me that my daughter would never play music. It's like, oh, she's never going to be a musician. She literally said those words. And I was like, what? (laughs) And if I had been a not very confident mom, I would be like, oh, okay. I guess she, you know, has no attention. It was basically she had no attention span Mm -hmm. as a Mm three-year-old. that she's never going to do music. Mm. That's what she thought. And I was like, lady, she's three, first (laughs) off. And so I'm glad that I didn't take that. But it's like what you're saying is, you know, there's things you can do to develop this. And it Mm -hmm. takes time. Mm -hmm. And... Also don't listen to those outside influences. <laughs> but another thing that we do at our house that I started when they were three or four is we don't watch a lot of TV at our uh-huh. house, uh-huh. and so we would do a thing called Master's Moment where we would sit down kind of before bed or after dinner or something, and we'd choose a couple great classical musicians to watch on YouTube. Mm. So we'd like watch their whole video of them playing mm. this symphony. Mm. And so it was very involved in watching all of it and listening to it, even more than just having the music on in the background. And they love it. I mean, because we don't watch a lot of TV, they didn't complain. They were like, oh, this is amazing. (laughs) We're watching TV and we're watching Hillary Hahn play this, you know, fancy piece. And I think that's really important is to see great musicians play can be inspiring for kids, too.
0: I love that. I love that. The other thing is um, you can always have your child fall asleep to music at Mm -hmm. night. Mm-hmm. Always have them fall asleep to music, and especially if it can be part of their repertoire too. So if you're doing Suzuki, make sure they're listening to the mm-hmm. Suzuki music, but but also the great music. Uh, I call it aspirational music, and so that they can yeah. see that. Uh, another thing um is to be if you want to take your child to the actual live symphony, you have to prep them for that too, because you want to expose them to good music. You don't want to inoculate them against it. So what what am yeah. I saying? Don't overface them. So.
1: You don't want to like poison the well. Exactly. Like, oh, wow.
0: This is, this is boring. Tough. Yeah. So what you want to do is if you decide you would like to take them to a orchestral or, or some kind of concert, um, you find out what it is ahead of time and you have that be part of the music they're listening to for a couple of weeks so that they become familiar with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just in the background, you don't even have to talk much if, if you don't want. And then when they get there, they'll be kind of looking around and then they start hearing the music and they'll look at you and they're like, mom, I know this piece. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, the part I love is coming right up. Just a minute, just oh yeah, I love that part. Yeah, that that's the aha moment that you want. And then don't stay for the whole entire concert. Just yeah, leave early
1: unless it's a. A lot of symphonies will have a family friendly oh, mm-hmm. like right. version where it's specifically for kids. So it's going to mm-hmm. be shorter. It's mm-hmm. during the day. I always look for those. Um, mm-hmm. same with. Also, if you go to like a ballet, then they can be listening to the music, but also seeing the Watching, ballet. Right, and they have kids' ballets all the time, mm-hmm. so that's a good way mm-hmm. to kind of incorporate that all. Right. So those are two tips. We have yes. a lot of symphonies and ballets will have some sort of school program mm-hmm. where and homeschoolers can get in on that, mm-hmm. and it's specifically going to be shorter and easier, and you can take, you know, the kids to that. Right.
0: Right. Okay. Good. We'll move on to our next topic: how to get started.
1: Yeah. So a lot of parents ask me this. This is like the number one question. Like, what do I do? And all the stuff we just talked about for priming the pump is Mm -hmm. really, really important. But then what do you do when you're actually wanting to learn? So. So
0: I think the very first thing, and we've mentioned this in other podcasts, is do not use music as the way that your child develops obedience and discipline. They need to have already acquired the habit of obedience somewhere else. Yeah. Like you know, with emptying the dishwasher, sweeping the floor, making their bed, picking up the toys, that has to be fully ingrained before you start imposing the discipline of music lessons. Otherwise, if you're hoping the music itself will be the vehicle for discipline.
1: This is how they learn.
0: Right. To be obedient. Right. So. If if that's what you're trying to do is use that as the vehicle for learning, they will hate music, hmm. okay, because they'll see it as kind of the the stick or the whip that that is the hard thing. So make sure that they're used to doing some kind of challenging, little bit hard, difficult things, and then they're ready to start doing music. Does that make sense?
1: And sometimes I'll say like my daughter, she, her job is loading the dishwasher. So anytime it needs loaded, you know, she needs to do it. And so sometimes I'll say, Hey Lydia. And she hates loading the dishwasher. (laughs) And I'll say, Hey, why don't you maybe today? I'll do the dishes if you do your extra violin. Oh, yeah. I love that. Sounds great. <laughs> and so she'll run into extra violin, mm-hmm. you know, because we have other things in the house that are kind of. Mm-hmm. That, like we were talking about mm-hmm. the little bit difficult things. It's not just the violin.
0: Right. Right. And in fact, that strategy um, is one that I used to know a very, very fine musician. And that's what really motivated him. His mom would say, yeah, you don't have to do the dishes. Just go practice. Mm-hmm. And so he loved to practice. Mm-hmm. He adored practicing because to him, it was such a relief.
1: Getting away from what he didn't want to do. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. What you really want to do is you can start violin lessons when they're very, very small. um, If you have lots of patience and lots of money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because it will take uh, take a three-year-old about twice as long as a five-year-old to accomplish the same thing.
1: Or even, I mean, a five-year-old versus a seven-year-old. Oh, for sure.
0: For sure. Yeah. I do kind of like starting around five. And the reason being... Or even four, just just to do the smallest little things. Okay, we're sitting on the piano bench, and maybe they're not in formal lessons, but or maybe they have one lesson a month or something like that. But it gets them into the habit. What you really want is children who can't imagine life without practicing. That mm. that's kind of the ideal. This is just what I've always done. This is like eating, drinking, and breathing is practicing. And so if you wait till they're nine, mm. it then it's, it's a new right. It's like hey, I remember life before this, right? So I actually kind of like starting them really small, like four, just, just a little bit. Um, Five is good too. Some kids will naturally glom onto it differently than others, depending on their processing styles and, and things. So don't compare your child to other children. It's kind of like reading. You just go at their pace and keep it positive. But, but four, five, and six are, are not bad times to start music. You can do a later beginner. We can talk that, back that in a minute but um the other, and I, think
1: the, I think the later beginner sometimes works if you as a parent have Time. musical, musical oh. knowledge oh right 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 if you like have no background mm-hmm. sometimes it can be a little easier to start when they're a little bit older mm-hmm. and then they can learn a lot more from the teacher
0: mm-hmm. and retain it and retain it yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but if you have zero musical you can still do it you just need to be at every lesson Oh yeah. And you have, I mean, you have to learn with the child, even yep. even if you already have musical background. Right. I'm at every single lesson. Every single lesson. I, I can imagine dropping my kid off and no. not knowing what's going on because then I
0: have to. You can't be that, that support system at home. You know, you have to be able to say, well, this is what your teacher said and exactly. be able to back it up. And you have
1: to be able to see if they're doing it really correctly. wrong. Correctly. You need to fix it because Mm -hmm. it's going to take so much time if the teacher has to do it. And it takes a week
0: to see the teacher. Right. So attend every lesson. It's a huge deal. And don't bring little noisy babies. Yeah. You you just have to.
1: Yeah. I have have to get get a babysitter. I know. I have to leave my kids, the Mm -hmm. little ones. So it's a little bit of a big commitment. Mm -hmm. But when you think about how much people spend time and energy on sports Mm -hmm. or other things,
0: Mm -hmm. it's It's not not that that much different.
1: And also it's usually only a once a week driving places. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas sports, it's like all day Saturday and then you're driving (laughs) back and forth to all these things, you know. So it sounds like a lot, but it's actually not because we do most of it at home and we don't have to drive anywhere. Right. And so that's a big benefit to the musical system.
0: Yes. Okay. so the other thing is, along with attending every single lesson, you can ask the teacher if you can video Mm -hmm. the lessons, because that will be a really great reference. That wasn't something that was not available with my kids. When we were doing lessons, I just had to take notes. And, and then the other thing is find the very best teacher you can afford. That if the, the very best teachers will help your child to develop the, the proper technique. So if your child learns improper technique, then their progress will be stymied. And, um, and then if they actually want to be a, great, a very good musician, they will have to relearn and they'll have to step backwards in order to relearn all the muscle memory and the technique that should have been there. So I always tell my people, get hire the very best teacher you can possibly afford and don't be afraid to travel an hour to go to mm-hmm. those lessons.
1: Yeah. So my kids right now, we go an hour and 20 minutes one way to their lesson. But it's such an amazing program. It's It's so worth it. And then I knew another. Was it Dr. Fox? Was it four hours? It was a
0: it was a family in Idaho. Oh, okay, it would, would travel for four hours for lessons. So they'd put their five kids in the car and travel f- uh, four hours and to a, um, a professor at uh, in Logan, Utah University, Utah State University. Yeah, it's just dedication, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think you have to do that. You no. should be able to find someone, but like you know to do something really great for your kids and for your family, it does take sacrifice, sacrifice. you know, it's not this kind of culture that you want to develop. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to be really easy. Right. So you have to realize that, but the benefits are so great. Yes. That it's really cool.
0: Yes. The other thing too, is to have a lot of respect for that teacher. Don't undermine the teacher and please, please do not nickel and dime that teacher. Okay. Mm. That teacher, most likely if this is a good teacher, this is their life mission. And it's very insulting to, frankly, most high level teachers don't like to discuss money and certainly don't, you know, don't complain and whine. And the reason I'm talking about this is because I used to do that. We had a really, really wonderful teacher. I mean, she was just a top, top teacher in the state. And I would a couple of times had said, oh, you know, this costs a lot of money. And she looked me straight in the eye once and she said, this is my life. This is what I do. Please do not bring that up. And I was put in my place. Yeah. And, and so it's kind of disrespectful.
1: And, they've, you know, you have to realize these great musicians, they've spent so much time to develop, to develop this. You right. just have no concept. This of is more than, hours. yeah, it's, this is
0: more than I'm just hiring you for 30 minutes. And yeah. so $5 a minute, that's a lot, you know. Right. Yeah. No, it's you like, no, this realize. is their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So get your very best teacher that you can possibly afford. Um, universities are often a very, very good uh, resource for t- really high level teachers. Now, sometimes they don't want to teach small children, but a lot of times the graduate students will.
1: They'll have somebody there that yeah. will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they know the importance yeah. of teaching yeah. little kids. So we always go to the university, mm-hmm. and that's where we're going right now. And mm-hmm. it's been really great. And they have so many performance opportunities at university, mm-hmm. usually a lot more than. A regular studio, Mm -hmm. and so that's something to think about. But a lot of times, a regular private teacher studio they'll do a lot to have Mm -hmm. performances too. Mm -hmm. So, but I always suggest like um looking into the university Mm -hmm. when people ask,
0: Mm -hmm. right? And the other thing is actually a really great time to start music lessons is in the summer, Mm. yeah. Most people kind of think, Oh, summer we're vacationing and everything, but and and you are. But the demands, the cognitive load on your child are not as high as when they're in the um, regular school schedule for fall. So be open to starting in the summer, even if you have to tell your uh, teacher, yeah, these two weeks here and these two weeks here, we're going to be gone. But it gives your child's mind something to do. And the just scheduling pressure is much less.
1: I totally agree. We made a lot of progress in our summer because I didn't have to think about homeschool. Right. I
0: was like. And don't take summers off. Oh Oh, gosh. A lot of people. I know. I'm like, this is your best time to practice. (laughs) Yeah. Don't
1: take take the summer off from school. Great. (laughs) But keep going with the music.
0: In fact, the joke we have in our family is, you know, you only have to practice on the days that you eat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So,
1: or you only have to practice on days that end with Y.
0: (laughs) You really want the whole family culture to be one of this is what we do. This is like cleaning the kitchen. This is like making your bed. This is like feeding the dog. This is Mm -hmm. this this is what we do. We practice and we create music.
1: And the first year or two with little kids is like, what? I know. There's no progress. It seems really slow. (laughs) But after the first year of violin, it was like in the first year, so squeaky and Mm -hmm. just so frustrating. Mm -hmm. But we make it positive. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, it's frustrating for me because I'm like, oh, this is just not going anywhere. But after the first year, it's like, wow, they all of a sudden kind of take it. off and mm-hmm. it's it's super exciting.
0: hmm. Yes. Uh, right. And so just be positive, be encouraging. Don't let anybody say anything denigrating about what they're doing. Just mm-hmm. it's all positive. And
1: you want to you want to be so excited, mm-hmm. just so excited about all mm-hmm. of their little wins. Mm hmm. And, you know, they tell family members, they play for family members, oh, they for play sure. for friends, you mm-hmm. know, just make it like this is their thing. Mm-hmm. They and re- really and start to identify with it.
0: Yeah. And and record them and let them watch themselves. And, and that's, that's exciting for them, too. And they
1: send the videos. My kids will be like, can you send the video to this person yes. of me playing? And so there's all sorts of ways to keep it overall.
0: Right. Positive. Exciting. Yeah. And as far as practicing with your children, what is... I remember I had a friend that came from South Korea. She came to America and she goes, how do American kids even learn music here? Because this is so impossible. You have one lesson a week and then they don't have any, you know, they don't have any support. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, in South Korea, where I grew up, when you have lessons, that means you went to the teacher's house every single day and they practiced with you every single day. And I'm like, whoa, Whoa. that's (laughs) genius. But really, that's what the parent can do.
1: Yeah, that's, that's why you that's, go to the lessons. That's right.
0: That's your role is to be, you know, the the, the kind of sub teacher during the week um, with these young children. So practicing with a a four year old might might start out and be five minutes.
1: Oh yeah, two three,
0: right minutes. Yeah, right. And the night nice, the better thing is always never always to have small snatches of practicing multiple times during the day. Mm-hmm. Not just, let's just do 20 minutes solid. The kid's crying. They're tired. They're falling all over themselves. Never do that. Mm -hmm. Always stop while it's fun. Never, never grind them till it's painful. Mm -hmm. That's a super important concept. Quit while you're ahead and quit while they're having a good time. So with a four-year-old starting out, you might really do three minutes, uh, three times a day and make it a game. We'll talk about Mm -hmm. that in a minute. With a five-year-old, you might start out with five minutes. And and so you could just look at their age and say, when you're starting out, that's how many minutes that you start out with. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about a, a total beginner, mm-hmm. seven-year-old, seven minutes, mm-hmm. right? Keep it fun. And then you'll gradually expand that. But you take lots of breaks and um, make it fun.
1: And when you do practicing, sometimes it seems foreign, but I never, I mean, my daughter is 10 years old now, and she is just now starting to practice independently right. for part of her practicing. Right. I would never tell a five year old, go sit down and practice. No, that I mean, no, they don't. They're not able to do that. No. And so you have to realize when they're when you're when we talk about practicing, it's the parents sitting down on the bench or
0: next to the violinist.
1: Uh, It's kind of like homeschool where Mm -hmm. you need to be there until Mm -hmm. what, fourth, fifth grade. And Mm -hmm. then they can start to do some stuff independently. Mm -hmm. You're there for all of it. Mm-hmm. So when we say practicing, that's what we mean.
0: I like. Thank you for that clarification. Now, sometimes you can be in the other room and keep your ear cocked. Yeah. Um. And and that actually can you can, can
1: say, oh, that note, redo mm-hmm. that part.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And as they get a little bit older, um. And um. You're attending all their lessons until they are about eleven, and then around eleven, then maybe you attend three out of four, for per, per month, and then when they turn twelve, then you're attending half two out of four. And then well actually that's not true. It starts at about age 10, you start weaning off. Um by the time they're 12, they need to be going to lessons on their own and taking responsibility. By the time they're 12, they want to get out from underneath mom and dad's thumb. And so you need to have something that's their own. Right? You yeah. need to hand that to them and not keep um kind of, you know, being the authority figure. They need to have that experience. So by about 12, they're taking all the lessons on their own. And that's good. And they're taking responsibility for it. I had a one of the really fine teachers that we had for piano. Her name is Dr. Irene Peary Fox. Absolutely legendary, legendary. But she basically said, yeah, if a 12-year-old isn't doing everything on their own, they won't ever progress. So you have to hand it off from the age of 5 to 12. You're preparing your child to practice independently.
1: Cool. So I think we could talk about a few fun things that we mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Basically really, um, so concrete, kind of- concrete practice ideas, yeah. right? Just a few. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can go into more later or something, mm-hmm. but here's, a here's a few that we like to do.
0: Yeah. I, so you're just going to kind of gamify this whole thing and it's kind Big of a thing. game
1: and charts, sticker charts. Yep. My kids love sticker charts. Mm-hmm for specific things Mm
0: -hmm, and the games. Mm -hmm, Right. And so the tried and true one is a a little teeny tiny treat, you know, and you have a little jar of teeny tiny treats, whether it's goldfish or what I'm working with right now are the colored Tic Tacs and the kids freak out and love them and they have little containers to put them in. They're really cute. So sometimes like that, and and you just have a little teeny tiny treat for them. And it's so funny because like sometimes they'll forget to bring the treats or I don't have the treats. And then what I'll do is I'll pretend to give them a treat, I'll pretend to get something and put it in their mouth. And it's the funniest thing because they're like. Mm. The psychological reward is the same, even though they didn't get anything.
1: Oh, that's funny.
0: (laughs) Um, Another thing that I always did with my kids growing up is I had them practice for spins. Okay, what's that? That means, um, you know, I'll say, okay, let's see if we can do this measure perfectly, you know, three times. Every time that you do it perfectly, you earn a spin or whatever is this line or this right hand or, you know, you divide it into very, very small, small parts. And they earn spins. So what that means is when they're done, I'll say, okay, you earned five spins and we'll, I'll take them by their feet or hands or whatever and spin them around me in a circle. And they laugh and we laugh and, um, and it's really, really fun. Yeah, We love that. And then what happens is they start delaying gratification. Mm -hmm. I'll say, okay, you've earned five spins and they go, oh, I want to wait. Let me do more, and so I can have twenty spin. and it it really helps their uh, to delay their gratification. They collect spins,
1: and it kind of breaks up physically, like they're physically their body, their right. mind right. gets that little break right. instead of just like okay, take a break and sit on the bench, it's right. kind of,
0: or have the treat because you're sitting there, and mm-hmm. you know you still have the TikTok, and you're sitting right there, so it gives them a break to uh, right. Another one is jumping rope. We love to jump rope with yeah. beginners, so we teach them some fun jump rope rhymes, and it helps them with their rhythm.
1: Yeah. Well, I, my kids really like, that's really easy. We can just sit there because I like to do things that are like easy for me. Sure. So my kids like to do the hand clapping games. Yes. So I'll teach them the hand clapping games yes. and we'll do it. And yes, and that helps their rhythm. And um, yeah. I'll see, you know, we'll see how long we can go until we mess up. Mm-hmm. And they just fall over laughing when mm-hmm. we mess up. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that one's really good. The that's other one, one that my kids really like is. Um, reading a page of a story.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: we'll say, oh, let's find out what happens. And then I, let's do some practicing and then I'll come back and we can read a page of the story and we'll try and I'll always try and stop at some like exciting suspense. cliffhanger yeah the cliffhanger and they're like mom we have to keep reading so let's <laughs> practice so that way we're getting good reading aloud together yes. and then also the practicing so that one's a big hit
0: and and i i do that too with true stories yeah, so i'll tell them that. part of a true story and then stop at a cliffhanger and say okay let's do some more practicing." yeah
1: like like a story from your life mm-hmm. or your ancestors mm-hmm. life and they love that and i try to make it as dramatic as mm-hmm. possible mm-hmm. and so that one's fun and easy.
0: And then they can earn more story time like, oh, wow, that was so amazing. And you tell them a longer piece of story. If it's mm-hmm. like, oh, that wasn't that great. OK, there's a little part of the story. And then they, they connect it really fast.
1: Oh, I wasn't very focused. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear more story. Yes, those are that's such those have worked so well for us.
0: Another one is closer and closer. I love that one. That's where they have some kind of desired object or treat or something. And you put it, you know, eight, 10 feet away in the room. And or sometimes like if you have a grand piano, you put it on the end of the grand piano and every time they do something successfully, you as the mom move that desired object closer and closer to the child. And when it finally gets to some point on the piano or it's hitting the piano leg, when it, if it's on the rug, whatever, then they've earned that. Boom. They make can it. have it, yeah. But they can see that progress. And if they
1: don't practice well, it was a little bit. And It's like, oh wow, that was amazing! You can make it jump all the way across the piano right, or whatever right. you want to do.
0: Or if it's like really bad, technically you can move Go it backwards. Back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hmm. well, I've done that before. If they start whining, I right. say, oh, there it goes, going back in the row, and they'll stop whining. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So those are some fun things. Um, Playing jacks is also a fun thing. They yeah. love that one. Any
1: game, really. Any you game. You could Board do game. Yeah, my kids really Chess, like checkers. throwing a ball into a basket, yes, right, from a line. It's If you do it from here, you get two points. If mm-hmm. you do it from here, you get one point. Right. That one's a big hit. Um, mm-hmm. The other, so any any game, like Any Jacks, game.
0: Mm-hmm. Any game. You just gamify your And practicing. you find
1: out which game they like. Mm-hmm. Another one is, well, that might be one of their favorite ones, is hidden drawing. Yep. So I'll draw a little bit of the drawing. I'll mm-hmm. draw a little squiggle. And I'll say, guess what it is. And they can't, they'll can't. do all these guesses. They have no idea. <laughs> And then each time they practice, I'll draw a little more of the drawing, a little more, a little more, and then finally mm-hmm. you can see what it is. And they'll, oh, it's you know mm-hmm. Harry Potter, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, or oh, it's my sister or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that one's really fun. And you can mm-hmm. draw that out pretty.
0: And Hangman works for that one too, and Tic Tac Toe works yeah. for that one too. Yeah, do that. yeah. So, so really, that's such a tip: is take any kind of cool game and and just make it part of the reward system for the focusing and practicing. And the, the other thing too is big picture. Doing music with your child is more than just developing the musical skill. It is developing your relationship. It's making memories on the bench. You want them to, in their mind, say, I remember when my mom used to tell me these stories. Mm-hmm. I remember the time she told me the story of when her prayers were answered. And mm-hmm. it can actually be spiritual moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've definitely had that happen. And, and then sometimes um, it's an opportunity to work through work through some ruptures in your relationship because there will be moments when they're overwhelmed and and that's okay. Okay. You don't have to be the perfect parent. You can maybe stress them out a little bit and they're overwhelmed. Well, if you know how to repair the relationship right there on that bench, when you take them in your arms and you, you pull them over and you hug them and you stroke their hair and you kiss their forehead and you reassure them and comfort them, you are a wonderful person. I don't care if you never played one piece of music the rest of your life, you are worthwhile. You're loved. And this is just an opportunity to be able to grow and share and have joy in your life. But but reassure them through those overwhelm. And that's such a beautiful way to strengthen your relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really but important.
0: you gotta do it right. You can't I mean, yeah, we all have moments, but you know, you really don't want it to be a shaming, punitive, consequency, you know, get over here or or, you know, yeah. John you never punish with music. never say oh you know you you
1: practice more if you do that
0: right right you hit your sister so get over there and I want to hear your scales nope yeah right never do that
1: and the other thing is when you are doing these types of games and things are so great because you want to remember it's a very you want the reward to be very quick you don't want it to be like here's a chart and in a month you're gonna get this toy like "Mm, that's that could be good for something major, like a big right. performance. But you want to have really almost instantaneous right. uh, rewards, at least for the first sure. few years.
0: Sure. You can ask your teacher if they don't have a, some kind of a rating system or grading system. You can ask them for feedback and say, I, I need you to, um, you know, on, on a 50 point scale, just give my child every week a number. And then on based on that number, we can do some kind of reward or spend, you know. Something like yeah, that. Or
1: like one out of 10 or something mm-hmm. or whatever.
0: And and if they get a certain level in their performance at their lesson, then they can't, you can go to the park with them or, you know, you def- decide and, and you and your child collaborate to decide what different kind of rewards would be um, pleasurable for them. But again, it's to build your relationship. And so that's a, that's a really great thing too. Are we,
1: is there any other practicing?
0: See, Practice every day. Oh, the most important day to practice is, the day after the lesson, mm-hmm. because what often happens is, is families say, oh, we just had a lesson. Maybe it's a Thursday or Let's Friday. Let's take
1: a break.
0: Yeah. You know, so they take a break uh, Saturday and Sunday. And then Monday, number one, you've forgotten everything. Mm-hmm. And number two, now you're just doing catch up. You're going to practice three days maybe before lessons. Ouch. So the most important day to practice is the day right after the lesson.
1: Yeah. If you skip a day, have it, skip a different day Uh not Not that exactly just you're reinforcing everything you just went over in the lesson right
0: right you know i think if you you skip one day a week that's probably fine but not the day after um not the day after lessons that's really important
1: yeah i think we've covered a
0: lot oh i have a series of videos that i took um just me starting my little teeny tiny grandchildren on piano because this is a question that you know uh Amelia and I have both heard from people for years. It's like, how do you do this? Right. Without being a tiger mom. Um, And so I did, I I videoed almost every little practice interaction that I had for, I don't know, probably, I guess we probably have 20 videos just so you can see exactly how much we do before we take the break. Mm. Because I think it's kind of surprising to people. It's like, oh, timing. Yeah. That
1: timing. Yeah. When you, Yeah. Give them Mm -hmm. the break when you give them the reward Mm -hmm. when you when you push them a little Mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. It's really good to see Mm -hmm.
0: that. Yeah. So that'll just be on YouTube uh, under the Joan Landis counselor account. Um, And you can just watch those anytime you want just to kind of see how that goes. So that's that. There's that. And then we've got to announce this special guest
1: that we're going to have for next time. We're really going to be so fun. Mm -hmm. We're going to have my brother which is Joan's son. (laughs) Uh, His name is Rob Rob Landis. Landis. Yeah, Rob Landis. Mm -hmm. He has, uh, he's an amazing violinist. He, you know, you know, studied for years and years and he now has a YouTube channel with Mm -hmm. uh, like 4 million subscribers. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. Mm
0: -hmm. So he has almost single-handedly made violin cool again. (laughs)
1: Yeah, on YouTube.
0: Yeah. yeah, he he does anime, video game, um, cosplay things and silly, funny, comical things. And it's it's just really, really fun for especially middle middle schoolers to watch this stuff. Very wholesome, very family friendly. Yeah. And anyway, he is right now we are in his studio. We we record our podcasts in Rob's studio. Mm-hmm. He's nice enough to let us do that. So we are going to invite him to um, share some of his musical insights growing up in a musical family and how that was for our next podcast. And I think you'll really, really enjoy it. He, um, he's very accomplished. He was the first chair at his private university. And then he went on to Rice and got his uh, master's in uh, violin performance. And so he's very, very accomplished. So, so it'll
1: be really awesome to get his perspective. And he's
0: so funny. He's so awesome. He's, he's fun on the on the.
1: So stay tuned for that because we'll get a lot of cool insights from there.
0: Yes. Yes. All right.
1: Okay. So that should be a lot to think about. And Mm -hmm. we'll see you again next time with more on music with kids Mm -hmm. with Rob Landis.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll see you next
1: time on Families with Dash. Thanks. Find more from us at dashintolearning.com for all things educational and learn more about Dash into Happy, our family-friendly social-emotional learning program. Thanks for being part of Families with Dash.
0: Disclaimer. The information and advice posted on the Dash Into Learning, Dash Into Happy, and Into Happy sites and podcasts is for educational purposes only and is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional, medical, legal, or other professional assistance. Call your medical or mental health professional or 911 for all emergencies. Joan Landis, Amelia Murdoch are not liable for any advice or information provided on the account Dash Into Happy, Dash Into Learning, Families with Dash, or Into Happy.